0: Listeners, good evening. I hope this finds you well. First of all, let me be completely honest and say that it's 2 o'clock in the morning where I am and I've had a cup of coffee and I can't sleep. And even before all of that, I've still been obsessed since re-watching this morning American History X. Don't ask me why I wanted to watch it at 9 o'clock this morning, but just know that I watched it with addictive glee. There is something about this film that is puzzlingly, brutal, simplistic, crass in places, but it's just compulsive viewing, very simply because it is so anima to what particularly British audiences are used to, that there's a a, a real honesty to it, which is compulsive. Now, I remember this... 1998 crime film coming out and i remember always seeing the posters with american history x and the x always lit up in the x and the red and the crimson and everything x obviously when i was that age bad bad x bad watched it about 10 15 years ago i didn't quite understand it insofar as I didn't appreciate it as a masterpiece. Having re-watched it again today, I have to say that it comes extraordinarily close. This tragic tale is clearly Tony Kai's own interpretation of what the American race story is, what the American race narrative is. Now, 1998, long time before the uh, ascent of Barack Obama, that perhaps a better American commenter, commentator would be a better place to assess precisely how that story relates then to the world now. Now, as someone looking at this from a country that obviously has its deep, deep problems, but has never struggled, perhaps, and perhaps never will, has never struggled with the issues of race that America has, there are two ways to watch this film. One is from the observer standpoint, and that is, oh, that's a, that's a cutting narrative that you put together. And the second being that's a gut-wrenching, horribly true indictment, albeit slightly melodramatic in the context of a film, story about what the, the definition of race is, in America today, or certainly back in 1998. Now, I have to say this, that the direction is a sort of neo-noir quality to it, and it is extraordinarily powerful in the full context of the film. It is a tragic story. There's an itsy bit of redemption, and while it tries to have redemption at its centre, it's ultimately a tragedy. The music by Anne Dudley is what gives it. it gives Tony Kai's direction as gravitas. Now, the film stars Ed Norton. Um, it also stars Edward Furlong, who may uh, be remembered best as John John Connor in Terminator 2. There is also, for good measure, Elliot Gould. There's also Avery Brooks, Captain Sisko. Uh, to many in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and also another uh, Star Trek alumni in the form of Kess, who Jennifer Lyon, who's in this. Now, if memory serves, it was Edward Norton who was nominated for an Oscar for his performance in this, and it's difficult to refute that he did sincerely deserve it. The story is a harrowing tale of skinheads, race, um the brutality that goes with it, and particularly the consequences and the reformation that this Edward Ed Norton's, uh, Danny Vineyard's character uh, feels. Now, what is particularly brutal about the whole thing is that while you try and view this perhaps through the lens of a, a clinical, perhaps even cerebral, melodramatic interpretation of race relations in the US, is that... Derek Vineyard's character, played by Ed Norton, is, in many respects, and this will generate a bit of controversy, I have no doubt, but is your average Joe. He's very much presented as a character who is uh, normal, middle class, goes through a tragedy, and then perversely relates it to race. Now, there's a rule online, some some... Nonsense that says it's a matter of second. Any political—I forget its name, but it's a—it's a matter of seconds, matter of minutes, in uh, any political discussion before someone mentions the Nazis and um, Adolf Hitler. I'm absolutely convinced that the point of this film, particularly for an audience that's not American, is to play on that and to see that this guy is meant to be your everyman. He's meant to be your guy who's Uh, living his life, who is besieged by tragedy very early on, very young, and is allowed to configure that tragedy and and to conform it to a narrative of of race hate and how it descends out of control. That is the story of prejudice, particularly in the 20th century. That is the story and, and, and that is how it ends. That's how it begins and that's how it ends. Now, if you're looking for an epilogue to the 20th century, I cannot think of any better film than American History X to so neatly surmise that it doesn't require jackboots. It doesn't require waving banners or Nuremberg or marches or a world war for these beliefs to still exist. And this is where the film gets it absolutely pitch perfect, is it doesn't try and pretend that it's anything other than a, social commentary, a fictitious social commentary on the insidiousness of ideas that don't need to be cerebral, that can be extraordinarily visceral, but the, all it requires is an unchallenged ability to link disaster and nastiness and inconvenience with some kind of racial element for it very quickly to descend into a, a, a farcical hatred of a visceral hatred that's just ridiculous it is truly ridiculous but the film is an absolute masterpiece of exploring that candidly it doesn't hold back the neo-noir elements I think work very very well the narrative the media res element to it also work very well the acting is of an extraordinary caliber a tragic caliber an honest caliber and it's done in such a way as to make you think these really and make you believe that there really are people who could exist in real life. Ed Norton did deserve the credit that he got for this film. And while the film is presented as being from Danny Vineyard's perspective, Edward Furlong's perspective, it is ultimately about Edward Norton. He's not a secondary character, it'd be wrong to consider him a secondary character. He's the primacy in this. And while Edward Furlong is certainly the plot, cat, his character is certainly the plot catalyst, the addictive viewing the, in this is Ed Norton. Now, the graphicness of his lifestyles portrayed brutally, from neo-Nazi to being in uh, gang rapes in prison, to being let out from prison, to holding his dead brother in his arms, it is an extremely tragic story of, of redemption. And even if the film as a whole doesn't quite make you believe that these characters are anything other than peripheral characters to support Ed Norton's role in this. It is still deeply, they are still deeply, deeply believable, but it's still Ed Norton, which is the addictive component in this. Now, Captain Sisko's in this, so there's an element of, what. Even his character as Dr. Bob Sweeney is is addictive viewing. But I don't think he quite gets the padding that he deserves. It gets the, the motivation and the screen time that he deserves. Nevertheless, this is a brutal film. From curb stomping to the prison rape elements to the violence elements to the racial elements, it is an unabashed version of modernity and contemporary america as put together by the by the director and what's interesting is even 16 years later it still holds up to film which challenges you to view race relations from a different perspective through a different lens and even if you think the ascendancy of a black president both again for americans and those who are not americans even if you think that signals the end, this film, watching it again, reminds you and it, that you need to view things differently. It equips you with the tools to look at these situations differently, to systematically criticise it and see where does power actually lie. With what are the dynamics? What's the guilt complex in this? What are the relations like from an equality perspective? Are there guilt complexes? Are there paranoia complexes, how are they working? It's a captivating film. It has to be watched to be believed. Even after all this time it has uh, aged remarkably well. Music, style, directing, cast are absolutely wonderful, but this is a standout film for Ed Norton. It's such a shame that after this length of time he's never, with the exception of Fight Club of course, He's never really created a film to challenge it. He's created films with an element of name recognition, but he's never created a film that challenges this. Now, Fight Club, 25th Hour, great films. But this is the film that will stand out for him, and I think at the end of his career, wherever that, whenever that may be, this will be remembered as the film that made him an actor. I would strongly encourage you to check out this film. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful time watching it. Thank you.